Our scripture this morning is from the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll be reading from verses 9 through verse 12 out of chapter 4. Uh, as always, it's also printed on the cover of your bulletin. So as you're able, if you would, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you have seen the movie Shrek? Can we do a show of hands? Quite a few have seen the movie Shrek. It is a great movie. Came out 15 years ago. Uh, all I knew about it early on was it was some animated children's movie. I had no interest in it, but my kids did. So, you know, as you do as parents, I was trying to be a good dad. Took my kids to see Shrek. I wasn't in it very long before I realized this was much more than a children's movie. There was way more adult humor in that movie than there were for children. I spent a good bit of the movie with my kids going, why is that funny? Why is that? Why are you laughing at that? It's just one of those movies. If you haven't seen it, one of the main plot lines is the friendship that develops between Shrek, who is an ogre, and Donkey, who is an donkey. Uh, Early on, Shrek, as an ogre, thinks he has no need for friends. He believes he has no capacity for friendship. After all, he's an ogre. Ogres are loners. But Donkey is persistent. And Donkey wants to be his friend. So there's this great scene early in the movie when Shrek is kind of marching along and Donkey is trotting along behind him and Shrek turns around and says, why are you following me? And Donkey says, oh, I'll tell you. And then he breaks into song. It's an old Bette Midler song, actually. I'm all alone, no one to guide me. My problems are gone, no one to deride me. But you gotta have friends. And Shrek goes, stop singing. You are terrible. Stop singing. I don't want to hear it. It's no wonder you don't have any friends. And Donkey, looking very hurt, says... Only a true friend would be that cruelly honest. <laughs> There's a reason, believe it or not, I tell you that story. Because this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about friendship and how we choose our friends and the need to make wise choices. We started talking about wisdom last week. Read the parable of the wise and foolish builder that Jesus tells in Matthew's gospel. We talked about how often foolish choices look appealing early on, look easy, 
but there are always consequences. The wise choice often looks hard, and it is more difficult in the short term, but it's always better in the long run. And we talked about how one of the best sources of wisdom is the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. So we're spending a few weeks talking about wisdom. So you'll hear many Proverbs sprinkled through all of these sermons on wisdom. But this morning, we want to talk about how we choose our friends wisely. Proverbs addresses that, but it's not the only place. You can also see it in our scripture this morning from the book of Ecclesiastes. If you hear this scripture, thinking about the decisions we make on who our friends are, listen, two are better than one. We are not created to be alone. Shrek, even Shrek, was not created to be alone. God created us to live in community, to have friendships. Two are better than one, it says, because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Do you hear it? You're better off having a friend with you, a friend that you have chosen wisely. All through Proverbs, it speaks about friendship. But my favorite proverb about friendships is in chapter 13. Now remember, Proverbs aren't guarantees in life. Proverbs are statements that say this is how life usually works. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Think about the second half of that proverb first. The companion of fools suffers harm. Have you ever been the companion of fools? Sometimes there's a group and you think, well, that looks like a group to hang out with. Looks like they're going to have all kinds of fun. But then you realize it was a foolish choice. And there are always consequences to our foolish choices. The companion of fools suffers harm. I learned that part of the proverb early on in life. And I was blessed with the opportunity to learn that proverb over and over and, and over again, actually, growing up. But you can see evidence of that everywhere. You can certainly see it in Scripture. There's a great story in 1 Kings chapter 12 about a man named Rehoboam. Now, you may not know Rehoboam much. He's probably not the most famous character in all of Scripture. Ironically enough, Rehoboam is the son of Solomon. Hopefully you have heard of Solomon. Solomon, the third king of Israel, one of the wisest people ever. Probably the wisest king of Israel, certainly the wisest man of his day. There's a great story when, about how God gives wisdom to Solomon. So Solomon was known far and wide as being this marvelously wise king. But that wisdom was not genetic. When Solomon died... His son Rehoboam was promoted from prince to king, just like that. And he had some decisions to make. Who were going to be his friends, his advisors? 
how was he going to rule over this people? So he decided he would ask some folks. The first group of people he asked were his father's friends, his father's counselors. These are people who advise the wisest man ever. Rehoboam goes to them and says, I know what dad did. How do you think I should work? And this is what they said. If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. They say, as king, lead these people by serving them, by being good to them, by being kind to them. That's what Solomon's advisors said. Next, Rehoboam goes to his friends, the guys he grew up running around with, hanging out with. Okay, I'm king now. Dad's buddies say that I should be a nice king. What do you think? Rehoboam's friends looked at him and said, you got to be kidding. Be nice. You don't have to be nice. You're king. One of the perks of being king is you can act any way you want to, and nobody can do anything about it. You look at these people and say, I don't have to serve you. You have to serve me. When I say jump, you ask how high, because I am the king. So look out. What kind of king was he going to be? He listened to the advice of his friends, which turned out to be foolish. The companion of fools suffers harm. Not only did Rehoboam suffer harm, the entire nation suffered harm because he listened to his foolish friends. When you walk with the when you are the companion of fools, you always suffer harm. I did learn that lesson, as I said, multiple times growing up. One of them in particular, uh, I grew up, most of you know, I grew up in East Point right up the road. It, we're in the suburbs, but our house sat right on the edge of some woods. Uh, the woods behind my house stretched west about half a mile and south almost that far. So we had this huge uh, uh, area of woods when I was growing up, just a great place to be a kid, a great place to be a little boy. We could spend hours every day uh, and would do that day after day playing chase, playing hide-and-seek, playing cowboys and Indians, playing cops and robbers, playing army. I mean, we just, we love to hang out back there. Just a great playground for us. So one day I'm back there with a couple of buddies, and we're just goofing off, having a good time. And one of them realizes that in his pocket, he has a pack of matches. Well, what are you going to do with a pack of matches in the woods? What a great place to start a little fire. Now, there were a couple of problems. Uh, number one, it was dry. It was very dry. Remember a few months ago, we were under a burn ban because it had been so long since we had rain. You remember how dry it was not that long ago? It was that dry. There was also a nice gentle breeze that day. And so being little boys without our brains fully developed, if developed at all, in all honesty, uh, he decided it would be a good day to start a fire. Now, at some level, I knew that was wrong and could have tried to talk him out of it, but I didn't. So he starts this little fire. The wind is blowing. Pretty soon, it's clear we cannot control this thing. And he looks at me and he says, David, quick, run over to the creek and get some water. Well, I am panicked because it's clear this fire is about to spread. And my pyromaniac friend tells me to go get water. And so 
there were at least three things I should have thought of. First, I didn't have anything to carry water with. That would have been helpful. Second, even if I had a bucket to carry water with, a bucket of water would not have done anything on this fire. And thirdly, it was so dry, there wasn't going to be any water in the creek, but I was too panicked to worry about any of that. I went flying up the hill, over the hill, falling, really tumbling down the hill, till I got to the creek bed, and it was bone dry. And I thought, uh-oh, I can't scoop up enough water in my hands, uh, which is all I had, because there's no water. So I turned around to rush back to my buddies, and I could see the smoke from the other side of the hill. And I thought, I wonder if anybody else will notice that. As it turns out, other people didn't notice that. It seems that when the woods behind your house catch fire, that gets your attention. I don't know who called the fire department. To this day, I don't know how the fire department got water that far into the woods to put that fire out, but thank God they did. The reason I don't know is the courageous folks that we were, we ran away. We ran. That night, word had spread through the neighborhood. My mother stared me down and said, did you have anything to do with that fire? And I had to own it. And I had to be honest. When Proverbs says the companion of fools suffers harm, trust me. <laughs> yes, suffer harm. All right? Sometimes the foolish choice looks great, but there are always consequences. The companion of fools suffers harm. However, the one who walks with the wise becomes wise. You hear that? Wisdom rubs off. Wisdom is contagious. You spend enough time with somebody who's wise, you catch some of that. You can see that in Scripture as well. Look at the story of Joshua. You remember the story of Joshua? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls did what? They come tumbling down. Joshua, you remember, was almost unique. He was one of two, he and Caleb who had been adults in Egypt when God delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt to last through that deliverance, through 40 years in the wilderness, and into the promised land. Everybody else died in the promised land. Even Moses died on Mount Nebo, looking at the promised land, but not able to go. It was Joshua who led the Israelites into the promised land who led them in battle as they conquered all those lands and all those armies to claim the promised land. Joshua, who had spent 40 years in the wilderness as one of Moses' chief lieutenants, spent a lot of time with Moses, heard a lot of Moses' wisdom, and it took. One of the last things Moses said to Joshua is recorded in the book of Deuteronomy. Let me read verse 7 to you. Then Moses, this is chapter 31, verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and bold, for you are the one who will go with his people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their ancestors to give them, and you will put them in possession of it. Be strong and bold. Be strong and courageous. Joshua never forgot that phrase. We know that because if you read the book of Joshua, at key points in, their, in the nation of Israel's history, when he would speak to them, he would say those same words to the nation. 
be strong and courageous. The wisdom of Moses had rubbed off on Joshua. The one who walks with the wise becomes wise. Think about Jesus' disciples. When Jesus called his disciples, they were not known for their wisdom. Wisdom was not a criteria to be one of Jesus' disciples, clearly. But after three years of listening to his teachings, watching him work miracles, literally walking with him everywhere, eating meals with him, going to temple, going to synagogue with him, by the time you get to the book of Acts, you can see their wisdom level has increased. Now, they've been empowered by the Holy Spirit as well. We certainly don't discount that. But after three years with Jesus, they had become more and more like Jesus. The one who walks with the wise becomes wise. I read a fascinating story a couple of weeks ago. There was a fellow who was a salesman for this company, and the company was struggling. It's actually more than struggling. It was going under. They were hemorrhaging money. The boss called a meeting of the sales force and said, either you up the sales or we're going to have to start laying people off. Well, they knew they were doing everything they could. There was really nothing they could do to up those sales unless, one of them said, if we cut a corner here, cheat a little there, maybe don't tell the client everything and hold some things back, the numbers would look better. And to that, some people immediately said, no. If we go down, we go down with integrity. We're not going to cheat. And soon there were two camps. One who said, we have to do what it takes. And the others who said, no. We will not be unethical. And there was a fellow caught in the middle. He wanted to do the right thing, but he also was scared to death. He had a mortgage. He had two kids in college. So he would listen a little bit to one side and listen a little bit to another side. But the day came, he had to decide where he was going to stand. And he chose to stand with the people of ethics and the people of integrity and wisdom and say, it's in God's hands. I cannot cheat. I will not do that to the people I have worked with for so long, to the clients I've had for so long. Well, the company did ultimately go under. But one of those who refused to cheat had already made plans to go out on his own. And as he did so, he knew he would need salespeople. And who do you think he called for the people that had demonstrated the wisdom to show integrity? So this fellow with the mortgage and the two kids in college had another job, and life drove on. He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. As we think about choosing friends, we want to choose wisely. Now, that being said, am I telling you there are people you can't be friends with? I'm not saying that. You need to be friends with anybody, everybody. Actually, encourage you to do that. There are people out there today who are leaning towards foolishness, who need someone to pull them back towards wisdom. Be their friend. Be their friend. Maybe there's somebody in your neighborhood that doesn't know Christ as Lord and Savior, who needs a friend in whom they can see the love and the joy and the peace of Christ. Be their friend.
Maybe you cross paths with somebody who has this image that all Christians are hypocritical and narrow-minded and hurtful because they've had a bad experience. They need to see somebody filled with joy and peace and love. Be their friend. Be their friend. Maybe there's somebody who's kind of drifted away from church and is trying to live a life of faith all alone but is finding it difficult and they don't know how to come back. Be their friend. I'm guessing there are some of you out there today that are here today because somewhere earlier in life, when you were at a different place, someone reached out to you and befriended you. Maybe invited you to church. Maybe told you what God and Christ Jesus had done in them. Maybe lived a life that was filled with such love and joy. You said, whatever it is you have, I want that. Some of you are here today because someone befriended you somewhere in your past. Be a friend. I think what Proverbs is saying, what Ecclesiastes is saying, is that as we choose those in our closest circle, we want to make sure they are people we can count on. We want to make sure that we are choosing wisely. When you need a friend who will say not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear, those friends should be chosen wisely. When you need someone to hold you accountable for the life of faith you're trying to live, those friends should be chosen wisely. When you need someone to look you in the eye on the highest of celebrations and the most difficult of challenges, the most painful of challenges in life, you want to choose those friends wisely. You want to make sure that you have friends around you that are so wisely chosen that when you fall, as Ecclesiastes says we will, they will reach down and help you up. Be a friend to everybody. But those friends you count on the closest. Make sure you choose wisely. Let us pray. Gracious God, speak to us. Remind us daily of the choices and the consequences of our wise and our foolish decisions. Remind us that wisdom is contagious. But the, co the companion of fools suffers harm. Lord, let us seek wise friends, but also seek to be a wise friend. In Jesus' name, amen.